just turn in your Bibles to um, Galatians chapter 5. Okay, right, Galatians chapter 5 and we'll read from verse 22. Let me get myself there. Galatians 5.22 which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you for um, today. We thank you for this opportunity of just being able to come and worship you this morning and, Father, to um, learn from you, from your word. And as we continue this um, series in uh, this study uh, in the book of Proverbs about wisdom, we pray that you will teach us that you'll soften each of our hearts and each of our minds that we would be open and receptive to what you have to say to each of us this morning, that you'll continue uh, to equip us for the work um, of the ministry. And we pray, Father, that you'll just empower me to preach your word as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so, so far we have seen... Um, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. And today, um, we're going to have a look at meekness. Meekness is perhaps the most misunderstood part of the fruit of the Spirit. The word for meekness, um, to some people, can um, make one think of weakness or feminine softness or spinelessness. Um, to some people it seems to indicate um, a person without the ability to stand for anything. However, as we look at the lives of Moses and Jesus Christ, we find that this is far from the truth. So turn now to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, and we'll read from verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. The Bible tells us that Moses was very weak, meek. In fact, he was the meekest man upon the face of the earth at that time. Yet, this same Moses um, faced Pharaoh um, in a test of raw courage and manliness. Later, he became so angry when he saw the people worshipping the golden calf 
that he smashed the two stone tab tablets in Exodus 32. He had the courage to lead over a million people over the most dangerous and harshest wilderness known to man. And particularly at the start of that journey, um, if people had problems, they went to Moses. So um, he, was not, he was not weak. I mean, imagine the task of um, leading over a million people out of Egypt and facing the obstacles that they did on the way. Um, they were not an easy people to lead. There were lots of occasions where they whinged and complained um, and Moses had to deal with all of that. Um, so, you know, that, that was hard work. That, that would have been tough. So Moses was not a, um, a weakling. He was, he was all man. He was rugged, wise, jealous for his God and and able to withstand all attacks from foreign and national opposition. Yet he was meek. Clearly we see from his life that meekness and weakness are not the same. And then also, um, turn to Matthew 11. Matthew 11 and verse 29, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Um, Christ here describes himself as meek and lowly or humble in heart. Yet he had the gnarled hands of a carpenter. He drove money changers from the temple using a whip and turning over their tables. I mean, think, you know, just think about some of these events, um, uh, some of these occasions in, in Christ's life. He faced the Pharisees, and, you know, the things that he said about the Pharisees um, are not the things that a. Um, uh, a spineless person would say. You know, you know, here's some examples. He called them hypocrites. You know, so these, these are the leaders, the religious leaders of, of his day. You know, so he called them hypocrites. He called them blind guides. He called them fools, sepulchres full of dead men's bones. I mean, that's not pulling any punches, is it? Um, he, he said that they were full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You know, these are the religious leaders, um, full of uncleanness. He called them serpents, um, a generation of vipers, and he even called them murderers. Um, all, of these, all of those accusations from one, came from one who was meek and lowly in heart. So obviously, meekness doesn't mean femininity or cowardice or failure to stand for what is right. Meekness is not the opposite of courage. In fact, it actually takes courage to be meek in an evil world. So then, 
What is meekness? Well, meekness is an inward attitude of mind that yields all rights and expectations to God. Meekness says, God is everything. He must increase, but I must decrease. So let's look at um, the antonyms and synonyms of meekness. So the antonyms of meekness are arrogance and pride. Um, arrogance and pride say, I have my own rights and no one will violate them. Arrogance and pride are selfish, determined to have their own way. So this is the opposite to meekness. Arrogance and pride seek to get even, lashing out at those who oppose. But didn't Christ lash out at the men in the temple? How could he attack them for what they did and still be meek? Let's look um, at his motive and attitude, because that's where the answer lies. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 46 we'll read from. Then there arose a reasoning among them, this is among the disciples, which of them should be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving <clears throat> the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, the same shall be great. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. And we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not. For he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. <clears throat> um, and they did not receive him because... His face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Um, and then also, um, turn back now to 2 Kings chapter 1. We're, gonna, we're comparing this occasion with Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 3. 
Um, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, okay, so um, we'll, we'll read from verse 1. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go, inquire of um, Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. So this is the king of the northern kingdom. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, uh, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? Um, so they've gone back to um, King Ahaziah. And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was an hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of an hill, that's Elijah, and he spake unto him, the captain, Thou man of God, sorry, the captain spoke to Elijah, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven, and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If, a, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven, and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven, and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And so he died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. 
So, um, in the Luke passage, the Samaritans refused to let Christ and his disciples stay in a village overnight. The disciples were incensed at the action and suggested that they call down fire from heaven and devour the place and the people in it. They felt justified in making such a suggestion. After all, Elijah had done that to a hundred soldiers and their two captains of Ahaziah's army. Now the king of Ahaziah of Samaria was severely wounded when he fell through a lattice. He sent messengers to Baal to learn whether he would um, uh, live or not. And an angel told Elijah of the king's intentions. And so he intercepted the messengers before they could get to the image of Baal. He told them to go back to the king and ask him if the God of Israel was dead, so that he had to go to Baal. He also, he also told them to tell the king that because of his action, he would surely never get well, but he would die. So when Ahaziah heard what Elijah had said, he sent two separate groups of 50 soldiers, each with their captains, to beg Elijah to come see the king and change his prediction. On both occasions, Elijah disposed of the men, saying, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume the captain and his 50 men. Although Elijah had called down fire from God, and God willingly um, sent the fire down, when the disciples suggested that they act as Elijah had, the Lord rebuked them in Luke chapter 9. So what's the difference between these two events? Well, it's the spirits of the men. It's, it's their attitudes. The disciples were making the request from pride and arrogance. They wanted to get even with the Samaritans, whom they despised. They were totally selfish and vengeful in their request. Whereas Elijah called down fire out of complete love for Jehovah because Ahaziah had sent messengers to um, Balzabub to find out whether he was going to live or die. You know, this is the king of Israel. Now, the, two ki the northern and southern kingdoms had um, separated by this time, but only just. Um, so he should have sent the messengers to Elijah or another prophet of God, but not to, um, you know, a, a false god of a foreign nation. Um, you know, how, um, how much is that a kicking sand in the face of God? Um, and so um, Elijah, he, w he was aware of, of, of that. And so that's why he called down fire from heaven. To, you know, one, because, um, you know, this was God. You know, this is, this is God's people, a king of God's nation um, that's uh, sent these messengers to a false god um, to inquire of them. And so um, Elijah here demonstrated that um, the God of Israel is not dead. He's very much alive. And the third captain of 50 was well aware of that and pleaded for mercy. Um, so, so it was in the spirit of, of the men is what the difference is. Um, thus we see that Christ could be bold, courageous and strong 
in overturning the money changers' tables and driving them from the temple with a whip, and yet remain meek and lowly. There was no he was standing up for he, he was standing up for what is right. You know, he the reason why he overturned the tables was because there shouldn't have been that trade happening in the temple. You know, they, Christ said that you know you're turning you know the house of God. Um, you know, into a marketplace. Well, that's not what the house of God is for. Um, and so, you know, he, he, was, um, he, he, was, he was standing up for what was right. So there was no arrogance or selfish, you stepped on my rights attitude in Christ's actions. He wasn't trying to prove his toughness. He wasn't trying to get even. Um, you know, he came to save men not to destroy them. You know, his reason for coming to earth is to die on the cross and save men. You know, he's more willing that men repent than they perish. So, the antonym of um, meekness is pride and arrogance. So, what, what are some synonyms of um, meekness? Well, we've got humility and submission. The word meekness is often tied to humility or lowliness. Um, let's let's look at a, look at a couple of verses where um, they are tied together. Firstly, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, and we'll start at verse one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Here we see meekness coupled with lowliness or humility and long-suffering or patience and love. Also, Colossians chapter 3 Colossians 3 and verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Excuse me. Here again we see meekness surrounded by humility on one side, by long-suffering or patience on the other side, uh, by mercy and gentleness or kindness, um, forbearance, that is, putting up with each other and forgiveness. Um, and then also, of course, um, back in Matthew um, 11, which we've already read, but we'll read it again. Matthew 11 and verse 29. Where Christ says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So once more here, meekness or gentleness and lowliness or humility are a team. Thus a meek person is one who in humble submission yields their rights and expectations to God. So, let's look more closely at the basis of meekness, which of course is Christ. Um, so like every other part of the fruit of the Spirit that we've looked at so far, the basis is found in the life of Christ. 
Um, we see his meekness best in his submission to his parents, both to his earthly family and to his heavenly father. So now turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 40, which says, And the child grew, that's Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So firstly, meekness is strong in spirit. Of all the statements in Scripture concerning the childhood of Christ, this verse is perhaps the most revealing. It tells us of the physical, mental, and spiritual development of the young Jesus. He grew physically, he was filled with wisdom or mental growth, and he was strong in spirit. Thus, as Christ grew physically, he also increased in strength of his inner spirit. Some of us seem to grow out of proportion. Um, we might grow physically, spending hours and hours developing our bodies, but remain weak spiritually. So how do we grow spiritually? Well, the power of meekness, strength of spirit, is perhaps the key to and the power of meekness. In fact, exercising meekness requires um, perhaps more power than any of the other nine ingredients of the fruit of the spirit. Submission of rights requires great inner strength. Only those who are strong in spirit can truly yield their rights to another. Um, and then also becoming strong in spirit. So what is it? What is this strong in spirit? Um, well, we are a tripartite being. We have a physical body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And then, of course, the soul is also itself um, a, a three-part entity with the mind, the will, and the emotions. The soul is that part of us that makes decisions based on um, the data, if you will, it receives from either the body or the spirit. The body feeds its physical data, um, sorry, the body feeds it physical data while the spirit feeds it spiritual data. If our spirit is weak, the body will dominate our mind. Um, and so, you know, what we do will be dominated by our fleshly desires. Um, this is the carnal man that one Corinthians uh, that Paul in one Corinthians speaks of. When the spirit is strong, however, it dominates the mind, and the mind makes decisions based on what the spirit desires rather than on what the body desires. Thus, to be strong in spirit is to have a body and a soul that are dominated by the spirit. So, how do we become strong in spirit? Luke 2.40 gives us a clue, filled with wisdom. To be strong in spirit, one must be filled with wisdom. And so this implies um, these following points. Um, we need to be filled with the knowledge of God. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. which says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. This passage makes, makes it clear that as we get to know God, we become both poor in spirit and strong in spirit. Knowledge of God humbles a man, um, makes us realize our insignificance and unworthiness before God, while at the same time, humility um, is what gives man inner strength. God gives his grace and power to the humble. Paul spoke of this paradox when he said, when I am weak, then um, I am strong in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So to be strong in spirit also implies being filled with the word of God, which is what we have been learning um, throughout this series. Um, that, true, that true wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. And the best way to see how God sees things is to saturate ourselves in his word. For it is in his word that he reveals himself. And thus we must conclude that Christ's meekness came from the strength of spirit that he possessed as a result of his knowledge of God and God's word. And, you know, he demonstrated that when, um, when, when Satan came and tempted him. So these two characteristics dominated his life. Also, back to Luke chapter 2. Now drop down to verse 49. Um, which says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Um, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? So, Verses 41 to 49 describes the events in Christ's life when he was 12 years old. His parents accidentally left, left him in Jerusalem. And when they returned and found him in the temple, his mother expressed her frustration at having left him by saying, Son, why did you do this? You caused your father and me to a great deal of fear and sadness. And Christ answered, Why did you seek me? In other words, you should have known where I would be. Um, he then compared her phrase, your father and me, with his phrase, my father, saying, did you not know that I would be where my father's affairs are conducted? The boy Jesus was aware that what was happening in the temple was the work of his true father. Even at the age of 12, he knew that not Joseph, but God was his real father. His whole attitude was one of complete submission to his father's business. Here again, we see meekness just as strong in spirit is the power of meekness submissiveness in serving is the performance of meekness meekness always acts through submissive service is, is willing to serve and not rule um, and meekness takes orders and submits readily to god and man um, as needed so this submissive um, performance, however, is not possible apart from being strong in spirit. 
One who is truly strong in spirit will be submissive in service. And then also drop down to um, verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, that is, Mary and Joseph. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. The boy Jesus, having stated his conscious realisation that he was more than mere man, then went back to Nazareth with Joseph and Mary and lived in obedience to them. What a fantastic picture. The Son of God, the creator of the, of the universe, was, al was allowing a lowly peasant man and woman to have authority over him. He, he subjected himself to Mary and Joseph. Each part of the fruit of the Spirit adds its own unique feature. As we have noticed, the peculiarity of meekness is that it adds a silent subjection to the other aspects of the fruit. Meekness shows its love without great fanfare. Its acts of kindness are done without great ado and attention getting. It doesn't seek the spotlight. With this one statement, Luke covered 18 silent years of Christ's earthly history. For the next 18 years, the Lord lived his life silently and submissively under the authority of Mary and Joseph. He lived in the quiet village of Nazareth, far from the bustle and excitement of Jerusalem. He was employed as a lowly carpenter in Joseph's shop. Now consider how difficult it must have been to possess such wisdom and power, to be omniscient, all-knowing and omnipotent, all-powerful, yet to remain meekly under the power and authority of two lowly people. Meekness is strong in spirit, submissive in service, and silent in subjection. So, what about the principle um, of meekness? Well, we must have poverty of spirit toward all authority. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 33, which says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honour is humility. So God honours the man who humbles themselves to those over them. It is the fear of the Lord that causes us to humble ourselves. So how do we get the fear of the Lord? Well, we get the fear of the Lord by seeing him as he is. Poverty of spirit is the first of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and it precedes meekness. Thus, true meekness is that poverty of spirit which sees itself in comparison with God. It realises that it is nothing and that God is everything. It feels so small and insignificant that it doesn't mind doing the lowest and most servile work. So, when we are meek, we will not argue and demand our rights. We will not push to be first. We will not seek to get even. We will not rebel against our parents' authority, nor boast of our accomplishments. But rather, we will go silently about our father's business, regardless of whether there is a reward and work diligently for others. And then to finish off, appropriating meekness. How do we obtain meekness? 
How do we become poor in spirit? Well, the answer is quite simple. We need to get a full view of God. Then we need to recognize um, these following um, six things about ourselves. And we do this by spending time with God in his word, you know, which is what we've been saying right throughout this series. Um, so we need to be um, remember that we are but the lowly creatures of a mighty creator and we are under obligation to this great creator. We are sinners who have lost our rights. Um, who are we to think that we are better than anyone else? We are incapable of anything good apart from God. God calls our goodness or righteousnesses filthy rags. How deflating. Who are we to argue and demand our rights? We are saved for a purpose. Christ bought us with his blood. And our sole purpose for remaining alive is that we might fulfill that purpose. We are being trained to accomplish that purpose. Thus, we should never complain or demand. All that happens to us is designed to train and prepare us for the purpose for which we are purchased. We have no power but of God, and his power is inexhaustible. Therefore, whatever is accomplished through us is not due to our meagre, weak efforts, but rather is due to the power of God, who chooses to accomplish his own designs through us weak um, people. So in, sub in summary, we need to confess our pride and self-promotion. We need to meditate on Christ's meekness before God, and then we need to yield to God's rightful um, authority. You know, we need to ask ourselves the following questions. Um, is our life one of patient serving? Is it one of quietness under pressure? Is it one of inner strength and power of character? Um, or is it, are our lives filled with arrogance, pride, arguing, flares of temper, and the determination to have our own way? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the example of Christ um, and his meekness as he um, lived here on earth and as um, and leading up to his death on the cross um, in our place. And Father, we um, thank you for the example that he um, gave us particularly in meekness. Um, we pray, Father, that you'll work in our hearts and lives, that you will change us to your image. Um, help us uh, to be meek, um, just like you. And uh, we know that we can only do so in your strength. And uh, we thank you now for um, uh, the morning tea um, that we're about to have. We pray that you'll bless that to us and the fellowship. And um, uh, pray um, that you'll prepare us for the second service as well. In Jesus' name, amen.